Friends, 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 welcome to the On To Something podcast. My name is Zane. It is good to be back with you. I have been in a life transition for the past couple of months. I'm serving in a new role. You're going to hear some Zanalogs about that in the future. But today we're back to the On To Something podcast. It feels good to be back. And we want to help you find those beautiful words in your life. I think I'm on to something. Now, you can't be on to something without sleep. And that's why I want to introduce to you a friend of mine. I have not met in person yet, but we are now online friends. His name is Dr. Benjamin Long. Now, he's got some really cool stuff in the works from a medical perspective. But today, I want to share him with you because he has shared a work in the world that I think is really valuable. And I think it's just the beginning of some stuff that he's cooking up that's really good. Now, the stuff that he has shared is basically a devotional that talks about the intersection of faith and sleep together, which if you've listened to this podcast for a while, I'm very passionate about both of those two things. Okay. Nothing better than a nice pillow, but his premise goes way beyond just blue light caution and wearing eye mask and making sure you have the right conditions. He talks about sleep and faith in an in-depth way that I think is refreshing and it's fresh, and I think it's helpful from his medical viewpoint as well. So I encourage you to lean into this episode because he talks about some things that are really great. He talks about things like your sleep patterns. Uh, he talks about things to consider as you start cranking down for the evening and what you may need to be doing differently. He talks about what to do, and this is huge for some of you, what to do when you have outside factors affecting how you can sleep and how many hours you can sleep. And he also speaks a little bit about what sleep has to do with justice. So that's the episode. Listen in for that all the way through. Now, without further ado, let's jump into this conversation with Dr. Benjamin Long. All right, Benjamin Long, welcome to the On to Something podcast. Thanks for being on the podcast today, Ben. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we need to cover really quickly. Do you want to be called Dr. Long the entire time during this podcast? Nope. Okay, no. no doctor. No doctor. <laughs> hey, I feel like I know uh, you, even though we have never met in person. I feel like I know you very well, basically, because I've stalked you for the past two weeks. I've read... <laughs> I've read what you've written. Uh, I've read your Instagram. I've I've gone through your stuff. So I'm a little bit creepy uh, at this point, but uh, this is our first time to talk in person, and I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, man. I me too. Yeah. What? Um. Let Let me set you up with a couple questions. That way, people know who are they getting to experience right now. Because I I think with your work and what you want to contribute to the world to use the language of this podcast, I think that you're onto something with uh, what you do. So, okay, let let me start with this. What is the work that you're just contributing to the world right now? Like, what are you passionate about? What are you doing? Yeah, man. So I am running a website called The Wholehearted MD, mm-hmm. and it's devoted to the intersection of faith and medicine. And really that's like on the broadest context of that, of where... Um, people of faith who are working in medicine and then just within the field of medicine as well, where that kind of touches um, at that intersection too. 
Wonderful. Now, so you've you've done kind of a specialty piece where you've done uh, intersectionality between theology and sleep. Um, can you talk about like what you just got done writing and you've kind of put out in the world that's a part of wholehearted MD? Yeah, absolutely. So the kind of first thing I wrote um, was the deep sleep. So it's mm-hmm. a 12-day devotional on biblical sleep. Um, and that really came organically out of my practice of sleep medicine, just from um, seeing patients who are Christians who never really made that connection of how their faith um, connects with their sleep. Um, and so I wanted to go to the Bible and see, does it talk anything about mm-hmm. sleep? It turns out it has a lot to say. So, so much to say. Yeah. 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 And the, the format of this, if you know, we'll give you we'll give you the stuff at the end, but the format of this, guys, is incredibly good. It's a 12-day Devo setup. Um, he's very concise in how he writes it, and I think I think it's just really good. So I got I got a quote for you. Okay. Uh, ben, listen up. This is from Dr. Benjamin Long. This is this is how I knew I wanted to be friends with you. Okay, this quote <laughs> right here. This is from this is from this Devo, and this is accessible to everyone. All right, this is how Ben wrote it. A sleep study or patient survey cannot answer the question that Billy Eilish's question would be, when we fall asleep, where do we go? Or St. Augustine's question, am I not myself at the time, O Lord, my God? When I read that, I was like, I'm going to be friends with this guy. He He just took Billy... And he put it with Augustine, and he's talking about. I was just, I was, it's, it's fire. It's absolutely yeah. fire. Uh, so, I, I love your work with it. Uh, I want everyone to read this piece because I think it's really, really good. Uh, okay, so Ben, kind of get back up and give us a bigger picture. So, like, if people were to scroll through your socials uh, just for a couple minutes, kind of talk about where you are, uh, what you're doing, family a little bit. Yeah. So you'd see that I just graduated fellowship from sleep mm-hmm. medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, my background primary training is in pediatrics. So I'm board certified as a general pediatrician. Just took my boards for sleep medicine. Mm. So in a couple All months, done. we'll see um, what those results are. Bless uh, up situation. Yeah. Um, but the nice thing about sleep medicine, at least um, going into that, is everybody sleeps. So whether you come from <laughs> pediatrics or... Um, internal medicine or family medicine, um, ear, nose, and throat, pulmonology, mm-hmm. neurology, all those different specialties can come into it, um, which is what really attracted me to that specialty was that kind of multidisciplinary angle of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you'd see that I graduated from that. Um, I'm married to my wife, Sydney. We've been married for, and I'm getting myself in trouble here, oh, no, 2013. Sydney. I'll just okay. say we got married okay. in 2013. He knew the Y'all... year, Sydney. Okay, still hold it against him. Okay. <laughs> um, and we have one son, Oliver. He is just uh, chaos in motion. Yeah. Uh, and our dog Rolo, and we live in Rolo. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness, I love that. Okay, I got distracted by Rolo, and, and you live where? In Anchorage, yeah, Alaska. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, guys, I I just messed up so bad because I asked Ben to do this interview and he was so gracious and he gave me central standard time. And I was like, what if we just what if we just move up <clears throat> or we move we move this up 30 minutes and Ben was like, I don't think so. 
Then I get on the call with Ben and I realize it's like 5 a.m. where he is right now. And I was over here being like, can we have 30 more minutes? <laughs> hey, I not to not to get on rabbit trail, but I feel like this is really helpful. Uh, and this is kind of my stalker side of knowing this a little bit. Can you talk about a little bit of the pivot? Because you went the pediatrics route and mm-hmm. then you've kind of shifted. Like you kind of had a goal. You had... Uh, an yeah. idea in my, I'm trying to remember what the term is, but you were basically going to oversee um, like entire, entire group people. And then you're like, I don't know if I want to do that. Can you talk about what, what went into that transition? Cause I know there's some people who are listening right now who are probably on a degree or they just finished up some schooling and they're like, I don't know if this is actually what I want to do. So can you, can you describe what that was like for you? And then the pivot you made? Yeah, for sure. Um, So if any listeners are not familiar with the medical education process, to become a physician, you know, you do your typical undergrad of four years, Mm -hmm. you do four years of medical school, Mm -hmm. and then you have a postgraduate training. So that's called residency. Mm -hmm. And that's usually three to five years, depending upon what specialty you go into. And then if you want to further subspecialize, that's fellowship. And so that's Mm -hmm. like the same medicine that I just did. So I was in my last year of pediatrics training and I got this realization of like, oh, I'm about to reach my goal that I've been literally running toward for Mm -hmm. like a long time plus years. Yeah. Yeah. Long time. Um, And I was thinking about applying for what's called a chief resident, which is what you're referring to, where um, you're kind of like in charge of all of the residents, as well as like kind of the liaison between the faculty and the residents as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then I had this chance exposure to sleep medicine, and it just clicked, and I loved mm-hmm. it. Um, and yeah, it was this moment of where I've been running so hard and so fast at this goal and then having to be okay with pivoting away from that, Mm -hmm. Um, which really was uh, this whole long process of trying to, um, you know, think through because, so my grandfather was a pediatrician and I think I had really built up, this romanticized version Mm -hmm. of being a general pediatrician um, in part, you know, from hearing um, his experience and, you know, his time um, working as a general pediatrician and then realizing, Oh, medicine's not like that anymore. You know, (laughs) we don't do house calls. um, And it's, it is so um, especially for primary care doctors. So that's like internal medicine, family medicine, pediatrics, things like that. You are confined to these tiny, like 15 minute appointments mm-hmm. and try to like do everything in that time. And so um, it's just like, you're cranking it out and you're in this machine um, and people it it takes a lot of skill to do that efficiently and effectively mm. yeah um and i knew that i could do it but if i stayed in that lane of 20 patients a day 5 days a week for the rest of my life that i was going to burn out real quickly yeah um 
And so, uh, yeah, I had to be okay with um, pivoting away from something that I thought I wanted for such a long time. Yeah, which is not an easy, not an easy decision to make whatsoever with it. Did you have some insecurities when you did make the flip? Yeah, um, you know, I think within uh, part of myself, it was kind of like I had had this dream of being a general pediatrician. Um, So being okay with changing that. and then not thinking that I'm letting anyone down mm-hmm. by changing that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think also part of it was pride too, you know, mm-hmm. like I, yeah. um, I made a plan and I, mm-hmm. I should stick to that plan because yep. that's the plan. Yep. <laughs> yep. And um, yeah, I, I, it really took a lot of just, prayer and contemplation and finally kind of coming to this place where I realize that um, just because I can do something well and effectively and be good at it, doesn't mean that I have to do it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anyone, well, I shouldn't say anyone had taught, not taught me that. At least mm-hmm. I hadn't internalized that from anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and Uh, really getting to a place of like, okay, what is it that I feel God has called me to and has equipped me for um, where I can best use my talents to glorify him and to help the people around me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just felt that general pediatrics wasn't the lane that I needed to be in. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so relatable for a lot of people in different fields to be able to do it. But it sounds like you've done the soul work to sit with it and say, let me be honest with myself. Let me evaluate this. And it's relatable. Okay. Let's talk about something that uh, is not relatable. Uh, You got to tell people about your moment of fame. You got (laughs) to give it to him. Got to give it to him. Yeah. So uh, on a whim, gosh, this is while I was in medical school. We saw (laughs) like a web ad for uh, pitch perfect to, needing extras and uh i was like hey babe what if we just like applied for this and see if like they we got it and so got a notification of like yeah you know you're you can be an extra so literally like on a whim flew to louisiana for the filming of it and so for like a split second back of my head is in the middle of the screen of pitch Uh perfect too Uh um so yeah, that's that's the closest to fame I think I'll I'll ever be. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. If you gotta you gotta wear it proudly. Okay. My <laughs> wife my wife loves pitch perfect. Like I could tell her all your qualifications. I tell her everything and that wouldn't matter to her. And I'd be like, you know, he was on pitch perfect too. And she'd be like, Oh gosh, I gotta listen to him, you know? <laughs> okay, so let's let's dive into your work a little bit because I think I, I really think this is helpful for people. Because there's not many people that talk about the intersectionality between faith and sleep the way that you do. So I want to give people kind of like a taste of what your work has done because I think you unpack it really, really well. So let me let me read you a quote from uh, one of your pieces. 
uh, this is one of the pieces that you said. The Bible shows that sleep can be both good and bad, appropriate and inappropriate, and right and wrong. Okay, can you can you paint for us? Because I think a lot of people don't even think the Bible has anything to say about sleep. Can you paint how it speaks about it in a very nuanced, like positive light and a negative light? Yeah. So I think what I was trying to say in that quote is that a lot of people come to the Bible as this is a handbook, like a moral guide Hmm. that explicitly is written to Hmm. tell me what is good and what is bad, Hmm. which I think from reading the Bible, you will definitely see what is in line with the character of God and what is against the character of God, what Mm -hmm. he says is good and what he says is bad. And on the flip side, what people try to say is good and what people try to say is bad. Um, And, um, but, but when you read the Bible specifically within that lens, I think then we do get in danger of trying to make, moral judgments where the Bible isn't necessarily making that Mm. um, or anchoring to one side of that. Mm -hmm. So that was really important for me to write about um, sleep in the Bible was to really highlight all the different Mm. ways that it's talked about um, to really see that nuance come out. So um, I would say, the main way that I like to think about sleep in the Bible is that it's part of ordered creation, mm-hmm. meaning that um, sleep is part of this daily rhythmic cycle that ancient people just knew intuitively mm-hmm. um, that is part of God's ordering of the universe. You know, in Genesis, it says that, you know, before God made any creation, it was just chaos and darkness. And then God brought that light and brought order to all of that chaos. And so we see that same theme that's built upon in the creation narrative for um, day and night, for the dry land and for the sea. And so sleep is kind of like a background character for that of the waking and the sleeping, mm-hmm. the rising and the laying down. Um, and so within the narrative of the Bible, and you're kind of tracing this thread of sleep throughout it, mm-hmm. uh, you see that sleep is present. And then you see narratives of people who are having sleeplessness, mm-hmm. people who are sleeping too much. Um, and there's, you know, definitely moments that there um, are kind of equating sleep to um, laziness when equating sleep to trust. Um, and it can be really easy to cherry pick and just kind of pick right. whichever one that is appropriate for your situation right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when we read the Bible as this um, story that leads us to Jesus, Mm -hmm. then you see that growth and progression of sleep throughout it and realize that um, sleep is 
blessing uh, as part of ordered creation. Mm-hmm. That um, God in his sovereignty has given us sleep as a way to rest, to process, and to literally, in some ways, recharge. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's good for mm-hmm. us. Um, but there is um, appropriate and ordered sleep, and there's inappropriate and disordered sleep. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to show that nuance for people. Mm-hmm. And you did it. You did it very well to draw from like Deuteronomy and Proverbs where sleep is used as ex- example. It's almost like synonymous of like one of the implications of sin that you will see is the abuse of sleep uh, mm-hmm. or falling asleep at the wheel. And then you also do this beautiful uh, in your first two chapters, you kind of do this beautiful like defining of the term of deep sleep. Uh, with Adam and Abraham and how that's a, that's a conduit in which blessing comes. Like if you want to set yourself up for blessing, you set yourself up for deep sleep. It's something that God receives, gives, or that God gives that we receive. It's just, it was beautifully balanced. And I think, you know, if you're calling it wholehearted MD, I think you wholeheartedly covered the whole aspect of it. Um, can you talk a little bit about the correlation between trust and sleep with God. Uh, and <clears throat> this definitely is a topic I tread lightly on because yeah. at least I feel like within um, conversations I've had um, from my faith tradition, um, I grew up Southern Baptist, went to kind of non-denominational churches mm-hmm. um, through medical school, well, not medical school, residency, um, and currently right now. Um, but I think there is this um, concern or tendency to think that if I'm not sleeping, then there's something that is wrong or bad mm-hmm. about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so within its appropriate context, um, the Bible does talk about sleep as trust. Mm. And so, you know, really revealing that and discussing that is just a matter of how that can breathe into your life. Mm. So it's not necessarily the answer for everyone and the panacea of like, oh, you can't sleep, so you don't trust in God. Yeah. But um, with that said, uh, he and the Psalms, especially with David, kind of in this progression of um, being surrounded by his enemies and having a lot of reasons not to sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he has this part where he said that, you know, even still he lays down and is able to sleep. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that is such a powerful metaphor of trust because we all realize the vulnerability of sleep mm-hmm. that you have absolutely no control. Um, and you have to let go of that and pause in order to effectively fall asleep and remain asleep. And, um, it so easy to, um, think that I am in control, mm-hmm. 
that in order for my life to continue to move forward or for things to happen, that I have to be the one to do those things, um, you know, that I have to hustle, I have to work hard um, and fix a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And what really we need to understand is that God is in control. Mm-hmm. And that when we are living into that, for people that that's a barrier for them for sleep, then that barrier can be removed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate that so much because I mean, and I always feel like I'm balancing the line because sometimes what prevents us from sleep can be, and I think you even highlight this of like, it can be maintaining status. It can be yep. maintaining wealth. Uh, but at the same time, to just put in of like, oh, there's some form of idolatry that's, you know, causing you not to sleep is just not a, it's not a healthy outlook to have um, because there's things such as anxiety and some of our deepest loves that God calls for us to have uh, will be revealers of what keeps us up at night. Like some of the things that keep us up at night are our life work or God's dreams or our family or different things like that. And we have to balance that really well opposed to just being like, we just don't trust. Um, But then you also, you also highlight this practice of like sleep is also a practice for death. Like it Mm -hmm. is a trusting and a, it's almost a spiritual discipline in and of itself of like, you know, I'm going to wait upon this thing. I'm going to close my eyes. There's no guarantee I will get up um the next day but can i release those things to be able to go in i just i found that very meaningful and helpful now what what are some so you you hear and you talk about sleep all the time what are some misconceptions or ideas that you hear thrown around about sleep that you're like ah i may want to reframe that a little bit or uh we need to talk more in that lane yeah yeah um Kind of going back to maybe moralizing sleep a little bit Mm -hmm. where they're like, well, if you wake up in the middle of the night, that is God waking you up and you need to get on your knees. You need to pray. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, my quote, um, the story of uh, Samuel, you know, when he like wakes Mm -hmm. up and he hears God Mm -hmm. and it's like, what is that? Yeah. And, um, uh, and, you know, it, it does kind of like, okay, I see what you're saying for sure. But sometimes we just wake up. That's actually yeah. part of our normal biology is we have, you know, sleep cycles that run at about an hour to 90 minutes. And it's huh. natural to have two to three brief momentary kind of waking up periods. Huh. Um, and yeah, as long as you can fall asleep pretty quickly, turn over, go back to bed, then we don't anything about that because it's uh-huh. um and so i yeah i have heard this you know like you need to um wake up get out of bed pray and i'm like hey if that is what god is putting upon your heart to do in that moment um you know i i have heard testimonies of people who get up in the middle of the night and they have this burden to pray for someone and then are able to find out later that at that exact same time, um, you know, something was happening to that person. Mm-hmm. 
so, you know, so I do think, um, God can interrupt our sleep. I mean, you see that with, um, the King and Esther that he's not able to sleep. So he has the scribe read to him. And then that's how he figures out that Mordecai was the one that saved his life. So really God used that lack of sleep in order to, you know, help save his people eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we can't put God in a box and say that he's always going to let us sleep. He's always going to interrupt our sleep or anything like mm-hmm. that. Um, but just allowing that nuance of like, hey, mm-hmm. let's not make rules where the Bible is not making rules yeah. for us. Yeah, no, that's really good. Okay, so <clears throat> we're going to turn you um, we're gonna turn you a little bit to uh, being our coach now. Um, if someone says, uh, okay, Ben, I have been, I I have been, I have been representing Genesis one. I've been going through this life with utter chaos and no form. <laughs> and how I approach sleep, think about sleep. Uh, you know, I've I've had people have said to me before that are friends or people that have passed through that are like sleep just gets in my way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I I don't think I need very much of it. Coach us if we were to be like okay we're going to engage in the ritual of sleep. Mm-hmm. What would you advise to us? Because you, you've said before, I'm not, I'm not the type of guy that's going to be like all about the like blue light and everything like that. What would you coach someone in the beginning on the ritual of sleep? What, where would you tell them to start? How would they begin that process of setting themselves up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, definitely would start at the place of um consistency um okay. the fact that we need at least like seven to nine hours of sleep in order to um effectively prepare for the next day um but also there are just long-term health consequences that are related to chronic sleep deprivation Um, whether that's cardiovascular issues, memory issues, things like that. Um, And um, I do get that kind of a person who um, has this like, well, I don't need to sleep. I'm totally fine on like five hours and then I'm ready to go. And I'm like, okay, I see what you're saying, but, you know, let's try and see of getting you to seven hours and getting you to um, a better place. And then you can come back and tell me if Mm, we don't notice any change. Yeah. Um, And I have not met anyone yet who used to get five hours of sleep, then getting more sleep. They're not satisfied. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Even people who have chronic insomnia, which is so hard for so many people to kind of walk that journey. Um, because so many times it's just these incremental small increases of 15 minutes here, 30 minutes here. And so I'm seeing them, you know, a year later and they were sleeping five hours and now maybe like six hours kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But definitely th- those people are like, I feel a million times better <laughs> being able to sleep extra. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for all the people who are caught up in that 
hustle and that hurry, um, really, I would start with the point of saying our bodies naturally think about your heart. You contract and you relax and you contract and you relax in order to pump pump blood all throughout your body. Mm-hmm. And we would be foolish to think that we are machines and that we don't need time to rest. Mm. To Not only to perform optimally, but also to live life as God intended. Um you know, if we've said that sleep is a blessing and sleep is part of ordered creation, then there is purpose behind that mm-hmm. and being able to trust that that time is not wasted. And then mm-hmm. you find out as you are investing more time in rest and sleep that there's this paradoxical thing where you're actually more productive and you're more... Um, engaged Engaged. you're better able to rest and relax to recuperate in order to get back to it the next Mm day Mm -hmm. i'm trying to think and i can't i can't fact source this right now but i'm pretty sure there was a moment i know you're a willard fan i'm pretty sure there was a moment that someone asked dallas they said you know i've hit this kind of ceiling in my faith as far as sanctification i think i need to do like 30 more minutes of prayer for the day, or I need to spend more time with the poor. And I think Dallas was on the record saying, uh, actually I'd advise you just get one more hour of sleep. And that may, that may help you break what you feel is that ceiling right now in your sanctification, <laughs> yeah. uh, which I think is such a Dallas Willard thing to <laughs> such a Dallas Willard thing to say. Um, Tell us a little bit about for people, because you, you've walked the journey of doing residency, not having normal hours, like coach, coach those that are like, hey, my sleep consistency is outside of my control right now because of the season of life, whether that's kids, I'm doing yep. residency, I'm in school, I'm you know working nights with a job. What would, what would you advise people? They're in that lane, not to, not to fix, but what, what would you just say of like, okay, be mindful of these principles? Yeah. Um, I think one of the easiest places to go first is, um, letting go of the expectations that you think you need to have for that season, uh, and trying to focus that it is a season in that moment. Um, so definitely thinking about like, mothers of newborns that is a difficult time because you have another life that is dependent upon you literally that you're having to feed every two hours for the first several months um yeah and so i'm a big proponent of like hey you know like yes you want to exclusively breastfeed totally great that's awesome um but i'm like you should like pump some breast milk and put it in a bottle and let dad do a couple things overnight Hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Which probably depending upon who you are in the pediatrics world might be controversial, but, um, but utilizing your team and utilizing your community and the people around you to help support um, getting the needed rest, I think is really critical. Um, And then definitely when you're you don't have many degrees of freedom to control that once you 
move to a season in your life where you do to not continue in that same trajectory. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when you have the time to be able to devote to rest, don't fill that with other things for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but I think letting us sit in those moments and those seasons where our sleep is disordered, um, I think as long as we put that within the hands of Christ, uh, do far more with that time than I can do on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, not to say that um that there i do i think sometimes we risk over spiritualizing things and um searching for meaning kind of like we were talking about with that sleep as trust and then you know that same that there's something going on here because i can't sleep and certainly we all need to have that self-reflection as well. Um, But I think sometimes um, it's not helpful, especially when things are kind of outside of your control, Mm -hmm. um, to focus on the fact that it's outside of your control, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. Um, You know, I'm, thinking specifically of people who are in poverty and, you know, single mom don't have necessarily the resources to be able to do that. And they are just doing everything that they can to survive. Yep. Um, that's, that's not conducive to good sleep. And I don't want to necessarily paint too broad of a brushstroke, but I mm-hmm. do think that shows the chaos and our fallen nature of the world and the fact that we live in a world that is going to disrupt our sleep and we live in a broken systems, broken household society altogether. Um, and so I think accepting that brokenness can be helpful to kind of take that um, roll back a little bit by saying God is in control mm-hmm. that I don't have to fear this present season, the brokenness of the world or the brokenness that I'm seeing around me. Um, but whether I'm awake, whether I'm asleep, I'm going, sorry if that was a really roundabout answer. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I, I appreciate that you brought, cause that was, that was one of my next questions of like, you focus on the back half of some of your writing um, that you say like, Hey, as, as people who are living in the life with God uh, to experience God and to also work out the love of God is to love those who are marginalized. And we should also be mindful of what sleep looks like for the marginalized as far as like systemically and what that brings about. Like I like, I like, I know you're a John Mark Comer fan. Like, I really like John Mark's kind of take of like, hey, if you systemically want to actually uh, contribute in the ways of the kingdom of God, one one of the ways to do this is you need to choose a day that you're not, you're not perpetuating a system of ordering 
or uh, buying things or asking for those who, you know, if the market demands jobs where people have to stay up or they lose sleep or they're suppressed yeah. uh, in a way, um, you need to figure out the ways that you can responsibly say, I'm not going to contribute to the brokenness of that system. Um, yeah different things like that. Is there anything else you'd advise us to just be mindful of when it comes to uh, the marginalized and systems and sleep? Um, and I think you hit the nail right on the head that just recognizing this is an area of deep need mm-hmm. that, you know, spans multiple age ranges and seasons of life and mm-hmm. all of that. And, you know, I think the church really is equipped to meet those deep needs. Um, But it's just a matter of recognizing that we can get outside of our typical, um, you know, it's like hats of like, okay, we have these ministries within the church. And so I think sometimes, you know, conversations i'm like okay well then we'll need to have a sleep ministry or something <laughs> like that and it's like okay see where your heart's at that's this that's a good idea but i think at some level we just need to think about that we are in community with one another mm-hmm. and so when we are recognizing people's lack of sleep or disordered sleep um being willing to um help lift that burden Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that is taking on burden sometimes too. Mm-hmm. So part of that yeah. sometimes is losing your own sleep. Um, and I think God models that beautifully because he you know, stepped into time, became man and constrained to time and vulnerability. Um, and in himself even slept and had to be vulnerable and lost sleep as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so for us to, um, model that and follow the way of Christ is also being able to, um, sacrifice our own sleep in seasons for that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I even think I even think like one one of the things I was processing with my team uh, was like we had a task that uh, didn't get done last week and had to get done before we reached uh, the Sunday grind. And like one of the ways I could be responsible is because we hadn't got that task done and everyone else had gone home. Uh, that's on me as a leader to sometimes sacrifice and stay up later to be able to execute that thing opposed to trying to push it down and interrupting everyone else's rhythm or uh, everyone else's. I mean, even simple ways we have to think about like just people around us first before we can even get into the larger, because if we start with what's around us, we will slowly work our way to the bigger systemic stuff just as we go with it. Mm -hmm. Well, let me, um, Ben, let me, let me finish with a quote that uh, impacted me and changed my rhythm uh, as far as your work with sleep. And I hope that more people uh, read through this and we'll, we'll talk about where your stuff is in a minute. Um, but you said this quote. You said, rest is important in any discussion of sleep because it's a prerequisite, 
of what sleep is in and of itself. And I think you made a point somewhere within your writing or conversations um, that we often treat getting up as a hard deadline of Mm -hmm. this is a part of our discipline of what we do. Uh, But you have brought to light to me that we are not computers that we just kind of press a sleep button and we go to bed and that's it. And that has rung so true to me because I think I've been frustrated in this season of life that, uh, you know, I, I run, 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 run. And then mm-hmm. I get home and it's like, it's super late. I need to wake up early the next morning. And I just have this expectation that I'm a machine and that I should mm-hmm. be able to lay down, put my head in the bed, put lavender on my nose and be done. Um, <laughs> don't tell other people I said that, but well, it's a podcast record. But, uh, <laughs> You, you've brought to light to me that just like I have to have a morning setup and ritual and a hard deadline of that, I should also hold that ritual and expectation on the front end in my discipleship if I want to do both of those things. So I want to say thank you for that because that's a, that's a major takeaway that has changed my nightly rhythm right now just because I read your stuff. Um, and I hope more people didn't do it. Uh, let's talk about where can people find your stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to the wholeheartedmd.com mm-hmm. um, and then sign up to receive the devotional. It kind of comes out typically as um, emails that you'll get in your inbox. Um, so that's definitely the easiest way. Um, and then you can also follow me on Instagram um, at the wholehearted MD. And I am um, still going to talk about sleep. I'm entering a season to kind of move toward um, a different realm as far as more talking about the intersection of faith and medicine specifically in the context of residency and for people who are in medical training. Um, so even though the direct audience is residents, I think it definitely can be applicable to people who are in the medical field or anyone who's just trying to think deeper about that intersection of faith and work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I would advise anyone, anyone that is in a field where you have to go through a season of grind, I think I think your work is going to be very helpful. And you got to do maybe a little bit of translation in the future because you'll be very specific with residency. Um, but I think some of your stuff is going to be very helpful if you're walking any path where you feel like you, uh, I used the phrase earlier, you feel like you have to trade your humanity for, for yeah. a little while um, in order to get somewhere. And I, I'm always a little concerned about how we develop people into their fields. Um, it's a little bit of why I started some of this writing and podcast, but I definitely think your voice needs to come to the table and coach us on that a little bit. So thanks for doing that. Uh, I hope more people dive into it. Uh, I hope that we meet each other in person at some yeah. point as well. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm just very thankful for your work. So thanks for, thanks for the time today and being willing to do it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right. So you can follow him on Instagram, wholeheartedmd.com. Make sure you look Ben up. Ben, thanks for the time. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. All right. That was Ben Long, everyone. I'm excited for us to keep watching his work grow because I think his voice is just starting in some really good conversations. Hey, thanks for listening to the Onto Something podcast and be listening for our next episode. Until next time, friends, as you always know, 
remember that you are onto something.